If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes. Nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Kind of like choosing Derek Jeter as the pinch hitter for your baseball team. Jeter, you're in. We need a home run. I'll give it a try. I've swung a bat once or twice. That's out of here. Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Kind of like choosing Derek Jeter as the pinch hitter for your baseball team. Jeter, you're in. We need a home run. I'll give it a try. I've swung a bat once or twice. That's out of here. 
Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Of that $55 billion from the total domestic financing. So at a point where, of course, the markets had closed, the government couldn't borrow. And like I said, we have had even been borrowing in the past, and uh, you don't really see the catalytic effect of these borrowings on improving the economic fortune. So when everybody pulled back, then somebody has to step in to finance the, the gap. But the issue I guess many of us or people had raised really is that if you came in July and you said that you need a gap of uh, about uh, 39, so let's say 40 billion roughly, how come that number jumps to now 65 billion and to the point that your central bank is financing almost about, what, 70% or so of, of that uh, figure there. That the central bank itself, if you read its act and its mandate, it's very clear that they cannot lend to the government more than 5% of the previous year's revenue. This is in the law. They broke the, the central bank actually broke its own law. And the central bank, the act that sets it up, Act 612, even further says that if you want to go beyond this, go to parliament um, and also engage the... Um, uh, so the minister shall... Um, let me just read section uh, 16.7. Where the total advance of loans, purchase of treasury bills and securities made under one is 5% of the previous year's total revenue. The governor shall notify the minister and parliament of the attainment of the limit, right? And of course, the minister upon this shall put a report to parliament of the remedial measures that are meant to be taken. There's been a lot of debate about this. And um, from where I sit, I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem as though that was strictly followed to the latter. And that's, again, a problem that we need to take into, into account. So what I've done so far is to take you through the genesis of our economic history, but not focusing on just the current issues, but to show you that we've had a problem going all the way back to the maybe 12 years. You can even extend the data. And the problem largely lies in the politics, which is manifesting itself in the economics. So the economic challenges that we are having is a manifestation of a bigger problem. And the problem is the politics. So the question is, how do we fix the politics? So we've got the IMF program. Um, and of course, we went to the IMF uh, in a crisis and when you go, when you are sick and you go to the hospital in an ambulance in an emergency, they have to provide emergency measures, right? They have to stabilize you first and then maybe move you from ICU into the ward and now start thinking about what to do next. And that's really what we uh, ended up with. But like the IMF itself says that there were pre-existing fiscal and debt vulnerabilities largely driven by the political 
um, uh, cycle in, in itself. And then I talked about the fact that if you look at our tax and spend, and this is a very important um, uh, chart here, because today uh, when, when I came, I went to get a haircut, and I was having a conversation with the barber uh, there about how they, are, how they are feeling broadly. And I think he made a very interesting remark. This is, he's um, 34 years old. He finished school somewhere in the northern part of the country and is in a crowd um, doing whatever. I've completed secondary school, but very sharp, very bright uh, person. And he made a remark uh, in um, the, the, the tree language to the point that we have been boring, 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 but we don't see the effect. In fact, he's indicated that for him, he doesn't even see what the government has done for him personally. And that, this was just about an hour and a half or so ago when I stepped out. And that, I think, struck with me. But also you can see part of that narrative in the chart that I have here on your left-hand side, right? So here, what I do is you look at the change in our public debt and you look at the change in our GDP. And what is quite stark here is that the two are going in opposite directions, right? So we're borrowing. The debt is there, but the debt is not necessarily impacting our growth. So you ask yourself, so where is the money? Yeah. Some of it is paying interest. So some of the past debt that we had borrowed, and some of those past debt were also not really used for the productive ventures that it should have been useful, right? So even talking haircuts and all of this and second round, I think for us as citizens, we need to be perhaps even much more harder on the government because here you are asking us to forego certain interests and certain benefits. But like the um, barber that I, I met and interacted with just an hour, an hour and a half ago, he doesn't feel, he doesn't see he doesn't experience, you know, what the, you may call the social contract, right? So he's just there doing his own thing. But as far as they are concerned, government is something that is far removed, right, from, 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 from them. But of course, if the economy tanks and inflation tanks, like we're seeing, and with prices going up, they have to spend more money to buy their goods and to buy uh, services uh, in in that regard, okay. So we are debt distressed, we are restructuring our debt. Um, I want to quickly talk on the external debt. So now I'm now moving into solutions and what we can, we can do um, to improve that and This I've classified them into about three sort of uh, buckets. So uh, options and measures around our tax and spend policies I'll talk on the external debt, and then I'll also talk about some of the expenditure um, reforms that are linked to the political economy that we need to uh, address. In a lot of the conversation that we have heard, um, a lot of reference is made between Ghana and Zambia, um, and the need to look at Zambia's recent debt deal as a potential template when it comes to restructuring 
uh, our external debt. In fact, even in Zambia's case, they did not restructure their domestic debt. They just said, no, no. So they're only dealing with the uh, external uh, creditors. But what they've agreed, the 6.3 billion of relief that they've agreed with uh, external creditors, is really interesting on two or three fronts. The first thing is that, like Ghana's case, their debt to GDP doesn't decline sharply overnight. However, they've been given some grace period right, on their principal repayment, I think it's three years, and then also the interest rates have been brought down. And then there's also a conditional clause there that says that in the event that the Zambian economy starts outperforming, so it starts growing beyond like 4%, then they have to pay back more, right? Uh, to, uh, to, this is one of the new um, things that um, is being uh, incorporated in that. And I think it's a good template that Ghana could use in terms of pushing for savings on the external debt. And what I mean by this is that if you actually work out the debt profile and you look at the numbers very carefully, if we are able to negotiate hard on the external front, there will be no need for a second round of domestic debt exchange. It's very clear. So on the financing side, if you look at the IMF's own numbers, between now and 2026, we need to raise uh, about 15 billion of uh, financing dollars, right? Out of that, from our official sources, the IMF World Bank, that's roughly 4.5 billion. And the major chunk, so $10.5 billion is money that we should be getting from the external debt restructuring. Now the problem why, or what I, why I think the government is trying to push for a second round of the domestic debt exchange is that in this year alone, they need, need to have raised $2.5 billion. So that's the number I've highlighted there, $2.482 billion from debt relief from the external front, right? But we are already in um, end of September, going into October, November, and there are no indications as yet that that will be coming through. So basically, if you have rigidities on this external debt restructuring front, then something must give. And what may give is the domestic side where there's like a second round of debt exchange. In my view, it is not needed. I think um, if we cut back on some line items in the, on the expenditure side and we're much more um, emphatic on value for money and things and having a clear case for that, there is no need to impose further hardship on citizens of this country. Because however you slice and dice it, the debt exchange is hit people quite hard. You know, um, uh, Dr. Duenchi has been on the streets. We've been seeing him on TV the last few weeks, and I'm like, hey, you should be retiring and, you know, enjoying and looking after the, the grandchildren. But that is not the case. And I don't think it necessarily is fair on other citizens as well in, in, that, in that regard. Um, but that's really what it is, that if there are delays with getting the big relief, this 10.5 or 2.4 billion every year 
from the external front, then there's the temptation to try and um, restructure the domestic debt further. And that is even going to impose more hardship on, um, on Ghanaians uh, in, in, that, in, that, uh, in that regard. Okay. So uh, on the reform side, of course, um, there are some proposals about um, amending the Bank of Ghana Act. Um, the point really here is that, in my view, the central bank has become weak and to an extent even captured by on the fiscal policy side. The IMF's own words, they call it fiscal dominance, but in very simple terms, what it means is that they don't have control necessarily over monetary policy because it is really the, the Ministry of Finance and the Treasury that is dictating more or less the response and the things that they need to do. So I think there are some proposals there for reform. And one of it really is okay. We need very clear guidelines on the conditions under which you can finance the, 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 the deficit beyond that 5%, um, how you lift those things, uh, how you lift those conditions and who you should consult um, in, the, in the process. This is a, an urgent one that has to be, to be tackled as part of the, the broader uh, uh, reforms. I've already indicated that in my view, a second round of debt exchange is not, um, is not, um, uh, is not needed. Then there's also the talk about the financial stability fund that was talked about. Uh, I don't know how far the government has moved on, on that, but there's meant to be some additional monies that is meant to provide liquidity and solvency. Perhaps maybe when uh, our lady guest also comes, she might maybe some, make some uh, remark or two uh, on, on, that, on that front. But, but these, these are the big elephant things that we need to address, in my view, going forward, right? Uh, uh, the tax reforms, the public financial management, the state-owned enterprises, many of them very, very weak. It, 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 it's, it, it, it's a bit sad when you take the... There's a report published by the Ministry of Finance every year called the State... Um, ownership report, SOE report. Um, so they take all of the government um, entities, it's about 150 plus or so of them, and they report on their financials. And if you look at a number of these SOEs, joint ventures and other um, entities that the government has some stake or partnership, many of them are hemorrhaging money. They are leaking money. And if we don't address those issues, then in the branch in the form of haircuts and, and things, you know, uh, like that. The big one that I want to quickly highlight and try and wrap the conversation up really is on, on governance, right? I have already indicated that we talk a lot about the economic issues, but we don't put a lot of emphasis on the governance side which gives cause to the problems that we see. There's an interesting quote from the IMF recent report on Ghana. Um, so this is on paragraph 43 or page 22 of the document. 
and he says that performance in government, government effectiveness, regulatory quality, and control of corruption have deteriorated over the last 10 years. This is not me saying it. This is from the IMF's own mouth. And you can also see it with other indicators as well. So largely, if we don't address and fix these issues, we'll be here, we'll have another maybe forum in five years' time when we've done our 18th, 19th, and 20th IMF programs and still talking about what you know uh, needs to be done. There are some proposals there, uh, one of which really is uh, some new law that they want to um, introduce. In fact, it's actually not new. The bill has been around for quite a while. It's called the uh, New Conduct of Public Officers Act. And to do with asset declaration and things like that, we're all aware of the famous uh, $1 million case with a, a minister currently and, and all of that. But if such a law were, were there and improved and were working effectively, perhaps it, it might you know, uh, also help. The other bit that I think we all don't pay attention to, or maybe again is an elephant or an umbrella in the room that we, is the issue of campaign financing, right? So before the party gets into power, there are companies or individuals or people that of course would have supported these campaigns. And we're told by a CDD report that what it, it costs what about 300 or five, half a million dollars or so, right, to be able to campaign just MP, right? And for presidential, you're talking multiple millions of dollars. So before the person even becomes president or MP, as we see in Ghana, their hand is in somebody's mouth, right? Um, and therefore, they have to maybe give certain concessions and you name it, and that all ends up you know, um, uh, driving or hindering government effectiveness or corruption to the point that now you now have to impose the burden on ordinary citizens in the form of, of haircuts. I mean, this is a big issue and I think it's one of the things that those of us in civil society, uh, we should try and get some consensus on and push for serious reforms in, in that area. Uh, last but one or last but two is, of course, on the social side and the social spending. All these reforms, IMF programs, etc., have an impact on the welfare and the well-being of the, of the people. Um, in the recent IMF program, there's at least a commitment to maintaining um, social spending level at, at current levels. The problem though is that if you look at say education, um, the UNESCO says that you need to spend about four to six percent of your GDP every year on education, right? Um, and six percent is about the benchmark. In fact, if you do the analysis, um, since about 2019 thereabouts, um, the amount that we're spending is actually come down. As a share of GDP, it's, it's still within the four to six percent, but it's the lower end of, of that. And this means that people staying out of school. It means that desks that are not available. 
it means that you know children perhaps not you know uh, completing uh, set. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes. Nacen en la carretera Pero este Comenzará en tu mente ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado Para vivir Tu nueva aventura Nueva Ram 1500 Hecha para vivir Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC progress benchmarks that you know uh, needs to be needs to be uh, attained and i think that's something that again uh, from a reform and advocacy point of view we should be paying attention to and driving uh, a lot of things uh, in there my last part two or three points and i would uh, try and wrap up so i've been talking a lot about the politics and what needs to be done to improve it right so I think across the political divide of space, most of the parties maybe call it mean well, but the devil is in the details. Okay. So here I've got the 2016 and 2020 manifestos of the two parties. Now observe how the, the titles actually change, right? So in the 2016 manifesto of the NDC says, changing lives, transforming Ghana, right? In the 2020 manifesto of the MPP, as leadership of service, protecting our progress, transforming Ghana for all. And then you look at the same thing, 2020 NDC manifesto, MPP manifesto. So the MPP manifesto for 2016 says, change an agenda for jobs, creating prosperity and equal opportunity for all. Now watch the... 2020 uh, NDC manifesto, it says that jobs, prosperity, and more, the people's manifesto, right? So you may even ask, okay, so who was copying who <laughs> in, in, in that? But the, the, the important point here really is that there seems to be some um, consensus about what 
needs to be done. The thing is, there are some impediments that block them when they now come into power that prevents them from doing what needs to be done. And of course, that's also to say that even when you look at the manifestos itself, some of them are not necessarily connected to even broader national level um, development you know, uh, outcomes. So let me quickly show you what I mean by, 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 by that, right? Okay. So we've actually got a medium-term policy framework in Ghana. Um, there's no long-term national development plan, but at least the NDPC has a document. It's a big document, over 340 pages, and um, it's publicly available, called the National Medium-Term Development Policy Framework. And this is a very, very interesting document, but it shows you what Ghana should be doing or aspiring to at least over the next three, four years. It's something that's done consistently. And then also there are indicators in this document that shows you baseline. So where are we starting from? Where do we want to go? How do you measure? And all of that. If you take any of the party manifestos and you do a deep analysis and contrast it with either this document or go back to prior documents, you know, Ghana, GSDD, we've had GPRS 1 and 2 and all of that, you see a big disconnect between what they say they want to do as parties and what Ghanaians also say they want as framed in this national development document. And again, it's, I think it's quite um, important because for me, the thing then is that every policy going forward, if we don't want a recurrence of the haircuts and the economic crisis and all of that, going back to the tax and spend, Every policy going forward must be subjected to rigorous peer review, and we need to establish the evidence base and make a business case for it. Let me quickly explain on this. In the UK, where uh, I, 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 I shuffle between, any government proposal or document has two key things. There's what they call the logic framework. And the logic framework basically shows how you're going to move from um, inputs to counting outputs and counting outcomes. So let me explain. In Ghana, a politician may come and say, oh, but I've done the, the, the road in the village, right? Or I've built some school here. But the question is, if you went back three, four years, has that necessarily improved either productivity or learning outcomes or education outcomes and all of that, right? So a lot of our politics, you see that the emphasis is on inputs, especially in election year. All of that. But it's not really driven or connected to a broader development point. If you look at this document that the NDC, NDPC has, there are very clear benchmarks to connect all that you're doing at an activity level to counting um, you know, outcomes and uh, overall um, impact. So we need to improve uh, on that. And also, you need to have had a business case. So it's not just a logic framework, but it's a clear business case that is subject to rigorous review. We, we were here, we had things like uh, 
one d one f and other of these major government flagship policy initiatives but where is the evidence base underpinning those right initiatives and what sort of learnings have we taken from them to sort of uh, improve them and i think this is something that is very 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 important um, if we are trying to address the root cause issues uh, you know uh, going uh, forward because the the level of the this would be able to constrain some of the excessive partisanship that we have seen across many um, of our uh, institutions uh, in in the in the country so in trying to wrap up uh, the the conversation here and also some uh, ideas for uh, reforms that I have highlighted, including um, the, the the opportunities. I mean, I think I, I, I should have touched on that. It's not all lost. I mean, we we know that Ghana has tremendous uh, opportunities, and this government document actually highlights some of the priority sectors that needs um, investment. But these investments cannot happen in a vacuum when we're just wasting and throwing money about. And the very citizens that you also need money from um, to be able to finance some of these programs, you're giving them haircuts uh, as, as well. So in, in trying to, to wrap up, I, I think that, yes, there is uh, some truth in the fact that both the pandemic and Russia-Ukraine war fundamentally have exposed major weaknesses in our economy. So we've been talking about diversification, structural transformation from the 1980s, and I'm sure uh, Anke Rekubobe would have done even a lot of uh, work on that way back then, but it hasn't happened. And, and the part of the reason is that it goes back to this um, political economy cycle of borrowing and spending, especially around um, elections. And I think the analysis also shows that over the medium term, you're going to have a constrained um, fiscal space. So you have to prioritize on the areas that you need to uh, spend your, uh, your monies on. There are also opportunities, of course, for uh, increasing and improving revenue flows, such as with uh, with property uh, taxes, and in property taxes, you can see in in, in the case of South Africa, almost six percent of their revenue base is actually coming from these um, property uh, tax, you know, uh, handles, and and that's what we need to do to try and lessen more on um, the uh, direct ad valorem type taxes and more of individual taxes and other tax forms that would also deepen um, social uh, uh, account accountability. I mean, in terms of the budget itself and the budget financing, the point here is that we need to start interrogating and pushing our political class and politicians to move from counting inputs like doing a road or a hospital to now thinking about outcomes. How is this improving or reducing poverty? How is this addressing inequality and, and all of those things? Very, very 
um, important. And then um, public procurement is one of the things that we have to uh, significantly address as well. As for opportunities, Ghana has always had opportunities. The problem is that we start, make progress, and then we go back. And not until, in my view, we address the root causes, we will still be here talking about the same thing. So thank you very much, and I hope I have been within time. If not, please forgive me. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Theo Echampong. I think it's only fitting, even on social media, uh, people were lauding you for your very lucid thoughts and the wonderful presentation. Please, let's, let's do it for our speaker one more time. We're still live on Joy News Television on Joy 99.7 FM. If you've joined us, it is the Bar Redu Memorial Lecture, and our main speaker just shared his thoughts with us, Dr. Theo Echampong, an economist and political risk analyst. Before I segue into our next conversation where we are going to be hearing from our second speaker, who also is with Daylex Finance, just a brief recap of some of what Dr. Echampo mentioned, and also to avert our minds to a document that many people apparently have not seen. Ghana at 100, you ended up by speaking about the NDPC, National Development Planning Commission. We all should look at that document because I'll just cite three things from... Uh, some pages in that document, 11, 27, and I think 29, about the Ghana we want, about what other countries are doing by way of development plans, and our projections, economically speaking, and where we find ourselves, and whether it is anything uh, to write home about. But Dr. Champon did make mention of one thing. Our leaders, from, from where I said, clearly know what must be done. How to do it, I suppose, is the problem. He spoke about the revenue expenditure gap, and the fact that politics is manifesting in our economy. And so with that, it has hobbled the central bank. And once politics comes in, level heads will not prevail. He made mention of the fact that a second DDEP is not needed and that our penchant for loans, citing the eurobond market and so on, will keep us marking time. If we don't get a grip on our economy, we may come back here just a few years down the road talking about these same matters, recycling the same matters. It means, as a country, we're not moving forward. And that very troubling matter of campaign financing, that's when maybe Jesus will have to come down and um, help us with it. But just to stick to my promise, I made mention of these three things that I would, I would bring forward before I introduce the next speaker. If you look at the Ghana at 100 document, which has been put out collaboratively over the years through the different administrations with input from different regimes and put out by the NDPC itself. When you go to point 1.2, justification for a long-term development pr framework, uh, we all remember Senior Minister Osafo Mafwe and what he said about a 40-year development plan. Examples of countries with long-term frameworks, Algeria, National Vision 2030, Bahamas, Vision 2040, Kenya, Vision 2030, Malaysia, Vision 2020, Wasawan 2020, New, New Zealand, 30-year infrastructural plan. 
Qatar, Vision 2030. Saudi Arabia, Vision 2030. South Africa, 2030. South Korea, 2030. Uganda, Vision 2040. Where are we? What is ours? He pointed to something between 2022 and 2025. What is our long-term framework for Ghana? And then you go to the very next point, which I'll get to very quickly so we can uh, proceed from here. In terms of the Ghana we all want to see. I'll get there shortly. There are a number of pages. I'm almost there now. Good. So it says vision. The vision of Ghana at 100, and by the way, that would be 2057, 1957 to 2057, is to achieve a democratic, inclusive, self-reliant, developed country by 2057. Are we democratic? Depends on what you're looking at. Inclusive? As for self-reliant, developed country by 2057, may God get us there. With our work, of course. But if you consider, this is what I'll leave you with. If you look at the portrait of Ghana at 100, so many things are lined up. One of them that caught my attention, and later Doc and Mr. Dr. Chairman, maybe you can share with me. It says for point two, by 2057, it is envisioned that Ghana will be a high-income country with the following minimum characteristics. And the only one I'm highlighting, point two, with a nominal GDP, nominal, of course, of approximately... trillion dollars. Where are we now? Around 70 plus billion. 3.4 trillion dollars. We're in 2023, so that's what? 30 years more. So some 34 years from now. That's what we are aiming at. A nominal GDP of approximately 3.4 trillion dollars and per capita GDP of not less than 50,000 dollars equivalent. I'll leave it to you. He's reminding me that we're at 3,000. So we have another what? How much to go? I'll leave it to the speakers later to elaborate on that. So we'll move on now to some commentary. And uh, we're going to have from Dalex Finance, a senior investment manager, Agnes Sewa Abankwa. Please, let's put our hands together as we welcome. Please, let's keep clapping till she gets here. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Dr. Theo Echampong, that was an insightful presentation. I was taking notes the whole time, so thank you for that. Mr. Chairman, Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Roku Brobe, thank you. Thank you to the Ghana Institute of Public Policy Options and the Multimedia Group for this opportunity to share my thoughts on the haircut prospects for investment in Ghana in the next decade. My name is Agnes, Agnes Sewa Bankwa, and I've been in the investment space over the past 14 years. I've been instrumental in funds mobilization and maintaining clients' portfolio during this period. So I've been here a little bit. I've seen the good, I've seen the bad in the financial sector. I can be reached on the number on the screen if you need any form of financial advice. 
I'll be speaking briefly on the haircut effect. I'll try and estimate what's going to happen in the next decade and what we can do to accelerate recovery. I'd like to share a story. So at the beginning of this year, a good friend of mine, Cecil, lost his mother. And we had a long discussion about loss and, you know, how it's part of life. It was a pretty long one. At the end of the discussion, Cecil says, Agnes, can you lend me 10,000 CDs? January, 10,000 CDs. I didn't have that kind of money then. <laughs> you know, and the only 10,000 I had was something I had set aside for the children's school fees. And so it wasn't something I could easily give out. And he said, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll pay. It's a bridge loan. Just give me, right after the funeral, I'll give you your 11000 Oh, I'll, I'll give it to you. Reluctantly, I gave the money to Cecil. We went to the funeral. It was actually in Kumasi. Cecil is my good friend. He's also my senior colleague in the office. So we went to support him in Kumasi. When I got to the funeral grounds, big funeral, tents, canopies, food, there's buffet here, there's cocktail, there's sobolo stand. Hey! I was like, wow. <laughs> so we sat there, I looked from across, and then I saw another canopy with some dignitaries walking and giving donations. You know, when the donations was going on, all I was thinking about was my 11,000. <laughs> so I kept saying, hey, misikano, misikano, misikano naabano. Saturday passed, Sunday, we went for the Thanksgiving service. After the service, they said, let's meet at the family house. When I got to the family house, another big tent, food, fufu here, banku, hey. I was thinking it was going to be a very moderate for someone who's asking me to lend you 10,000. I was expecting a small. So my colleagues and I were, oh, Cecil, we see any mommy. Oh, this is a nice one. And then we came back to Accra because of work. Cecil resumes work on Thursday, and we are all commending him. Oh, Cecil, we see you, mommy. Oh, why are you the funeral? All I was thinking about was my money. So when everybody left, I walked up to him. I was like, Charlie, 11K, how far? Are you paying it into my account or Momo? All of a sudden, my friend starts fumbling. Hmm. Eh? Look at the buses we rented from Accra to Kumasi. Look at the uh, event planner, how much we paid. Look at all of this. And people came giving donations as low as 100 CDs, 200 CDs. Sister, yaboka, yaboka. So you know what? Instead of paying you at the end of the month, let me pay you in December. You know in December we'll get bonuses, so I'll pay. And then I promised you an interest of 10%. I was supposed to give you 11K. Can we make it 500 instead? Ladies and gentlemen, you can imagine my sense of outrage. Ah, what does this guy want to tell me? You know, this is money for my fees. And we all know that usually by, in January, when school reopens, latest by the end of the month, the schools want you to pay. 
And I didn't even inform my husband about this money. What is this guy telling me? How, how do I pay my children's school fees? And this is my good friend and also my senior colleague. So I couldn't really express myself the way I wanted to. Ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly what the government of Ghana has done with the introduction of the domestic debt exchange program. It has affected the financial sector and it has devastated it. As we all know, there's a link between the government and the finance sector. And so the moment the government fails in paying any of its obligations to the finance sector, it puts the whole system in disarray. And this comes with compounding effects. One of those effects is liquidity. Just like we all need blood to live, liquidity for every organization is key. That is what the organization needs to run smoothly. And so the moment a financial institution is not liquid, then we are headed for trouble. I'll give you a realistic example. In 2018, yes, Dalex Finance issued some bonds, some corporate bonds. And these bonds were meant to mature in 2023. As part of our uh, strategic measures, we decided that we'll set aside a sinking fund by investing in some GOG bonds so that immediately in 2023 we can pay off our bondholders. Then in 2023, haircut. So for the period of January, February, March, we had to suspend lending. We couldn't lend just so to um, maintain our corporate image. We couldn't lend. And for every financial institution, your core mandate is to buy ideal funds from individuals and sell. That is how you make profit. And so if you do not have the funds available, it means that you are headed for trouble. And if you are not liquid, your valuation is low. Who would want to invest in an organization with low value? Nobody, nobody will be interested. And adversely, if your liquidity is low, you can't make any profits. I'll quickly talk about the other effects that this domestic debt exchange program or the haircut has had on the financial sector. Individuals no longer have confidence in the financial sector. Let me take you back to 2017 when we had the cleanup exercises. exercise. You notice that individuals who had Forex were not affected individuals who invested in real estate or in the real sector were not affected. It was only individuals who had their funds in financial institutions that were affected. So their monies were locked up. Then in 2023, we're talking about haircuts. If you have Forex, you're cool. If you invest in the real sector, if you have real estate or you're a real estate owner, you're fine. But individuals who invested in financial assets through financial organizations who bought sovereign debts are the ones who are affected. And so all of a sudden, the person is thinking, why should I invest in a financial institution? Why don't I also buy dollars and stash it under my bed? And we all know the effects when there's pressure on the dollar. 
the CD depreciates the more. If your valuation is low, like I said earlier, access to foreign markets becomes difficult. If you go to a poultry farm and there are layers, and the owner says that this layer can give you 10 eggs in a day, this one can give you one layer in a day, which one would you go for? You'd go for the one that gives you 10. And so if your valuation is low, how then do you go even to the external market and go and borrow? We talk about the fact that the private sector is the engine of growth. And I spoke about the Dalex example. If you're not lending to the private sector, they want, they want loan and their loan applications are denied, how do they employ more people? How do they employ more people? How do we get the economy running? And so I talked in the beginning, I talked about the compounding effect. It affects everybody. And that is where we are now. I want to be brief. And so I'll go, I'll talk about, in my estimation, what is going to happen in the next decade. In the next 10 years, I've categorized them into three phases. The survival phase, which will take about two years. The consolidation and re recapitalization stage, which will take about four years. And then hopefully, we'll be looking at recovery. In the next two years, there's going to be a lot of write-offs. In 2022, 2023 actually, when you look at most or all of the bank's financial statements, you realize that they recorded huge, huge losses. And it is as a result of the DDEP. So if we want to move forward, we'll need to look at write-offs. Most of these monies will need to be written off in order for the financial sector to gain some form of stability, be back on its feet, augment its capital, and then the economy can run smoothly. Dr. Champo talked about the stabilization fund. It's, a, it's some fund that the government sets aside for stressed institutions. I heard about the stabilization fund in 2022, and yet still nothing has been done. The money should be up and running now to support these struggling institutions. We don't have to do it the Ghanaian way. When we're going for committee meetings, we're doing this. No, the money should be there so that distressed institutions can have access to that money and loan and give out more loans. Because for financial sectors, that is how we thrive. That is how we make money. And when I look at the survival stage, um, I, I compare it to a wounded lion. When a lion is wounded and it's able to get back on its feet, it becomes very aggressive. And so in the next four years, we need to be aggressive. Institutions that are struggling probably might experience takeovers. There'll be some consolidation of some banks. And we also need to look at recapitalization. Bank of Ghana gave a minimum capital requirement for every financial institution. Last year, the, the CD to the dollar was six CDs. 
to the dollar. This year, it's almost double. And so what it means is that your minimum capital requirement, whatever, whatever money you have as your working capital, has been halved. So the value is low. So we need to look at recapitalization. Once we are able to do this, hopefully in the, in the next, the other four years, we'll be looking at recovery. And mind you, this recovery is going to be a painful process. We saw the figures and the numbers that Dr. Champon gave us. It's going to be slow and it's going to be painful. How do we accelerate this recovery? I love this quote by San Chu. And he says that in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. It looks very bad. We've spoken about a lot of things. But I think that there is still hope. So what do we have to do? I'll talk about the stability fund once again. The government of Ghana needs to make the stability fund available. And earlier on, I said that access to foreign funds is going to be difficult because foreign people are looking at the fact that you're not making profits. Why should I invest in you? But I think that the financial sector can leverage on a few things. Yes, things are not that good, but Ghana is still a fertile ground for investment. We have other indicators that are working for us. We are peaceful, we have a working judiciary, and we have a stable democracy. And so I believe that these institutions can leverage on that and look to foreign investors for funds because we would need that to stabilize the economy. Finally, I'll talk about the non-bank cleanup, which happened in 2017. I know that the Bank of Ghana says that the cleanup has been done. But I believe that there are some debts in the corners of that room that needs to be worked on. There are people who still have locked up funds from some institutions, and then they haven't received those monies up to date. So if we want to make progress, we should be looking at that. We have to look at our spending. Dr. Champon talked about spending more on, um, um, on the government side, but I'll talk about it from the financial side. This is not the time for financial institutions to be flamboyant. You need to check your processes and align your cost and your revenue. And I'm hoping that if we're able to put all these things in place, we will definitely survive we will recover, and as we always say, this too shall pass. Thank you. Thank you very much for that powerful presentation insightful what you've shared with us this afternoon. In case you just tuned in, while well, you're catching at least some part of the 2023 Bar Redu Memorial Lecture. Today, the topic, the theme 
which has been delivered on by Dr. Theo Champong, economist and political uh, risk analyst. Beyond the haircut, haircut and oricodo, uh-huh. beyond the haircut, the prospects for investment and in public finances in Ghana in the next decade. A short while ago, we also heard Agnes Sewa Bankwa, Senior Investment Manager at Daylex Finance. I'll corroborate what you said, Sewa. You, you said something, and so you are not aware. Sometime, was it late last year or very early this year, a friend reached out to me and said she needed a loan. There was a family thing going on. I don't know whether, I don't think it was a funeral, though. And she needed a certain amount of money. I didn't have that kind of money. I don't have that kind of money. So... Looking at the rates of different banks and everything going on, I decided to reach out to Delex Finance, my own uncle, Joe Jackson. And I said to him, oh, senior, someone else needs a loan. And this is the, can you help? Say, well, what you told us, you are not even able to give out any money because you must have that liquid support from other people's money, so to speak, to be able to lend. They were not able to help my friend. So what you said is a reality that I have witnessed because I didn't have the money and even they, whose top priority is to do that, could not afford to do it. At this juncture, I would also like us to hear from the chairperson, Dr. Edu Anani Entry. He's been calmly following proceedings here taking notes, copious notes. I've watched him throughout. And I think he's also about to deliver uh, quite a lot on this matter. Please, let's welcome him. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Moderator. As you said, I, I have a lot, but we don't have the time. If it's my day that I'm speaking, then I can, I can cover all these areas. But I will not attempt to summarize uh, what has been said. I will just use a few minutes to look at the going forward. That, that is how to get investors back to the market. The last the experience you, you had, they didn't have the money. They will not have because people will not bring the money. You see, people. sometimes I wonder when people, they are thinking of financial market is only banking. So they say the banking, oh, they are making returns, they are coming back. The banks are not there for investors to put their funds. They are there for deposits, deposits, just savings and lo- uh, savings and uh, savings account and what? Current account. The institutions that are built to take investors' funds, proper investment, are the, 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 the finance houses, the mutual funds, the unit trusts, they are the ones that are taking the money as investors' funds. The banks, I always tell my students that traditionally banks are supposed to take deposits and lend. That's all. Deposits and lend. But now they have brought all other businesses uh, on themselves. But the very institutions that have been established to take investors' fund investment are the investment houses. And nobody is going there because People now fear to invest. The banks will be doing well a little because for the banks, they will always get the money coming in. Your salary will go there. When people are paying you for services, they will send a check for you. So they will have the resources always coming in. So they are not a a good gauge of the financial market stability 
and all that. And that is why any time I get the opportunity to talk to them, I say, you don't think that f banking stability is equal to financial market stability. No. Your bank system can be stable, but yet still, the financial market is unstable because the banks, the regular will come. When we were going to start, uh, I have an article written years back, I think in the 80s, where we were going to attempt to start paying salaries into the bank. I wrote an article that now that we are going to start paying salaries into the bank, the bank should ensure that when people come there, they will service them rightly. Those years, I think it was early 80s, where we started paying salaries through the bank. It became compulsory. So your salary will always pass through the bank. So they will have it. Even if it's for 15 days, at least they have it, and they can also use it as part of If they are measuring their, their, develop, their, their, their growth, they measure their growth by the deposits they, are, they have uh, gotten during a period. Whether it stayed there for a day or one hour, it is part of what? The deposit they have mobilized. And you are using this to gauge the whole financial sector stability. No, it is wrong. We must ensure that the whole market is stable. And this market will not be stable when these issues are still there. When we did a cleanup exercise, the first one, people who, who had to get their money from the same finance uh, investment houses, they were first issued, they were giving them 50,000. 50, uh, 50, and the rest, they issued, government issued five-year zero-coupon bonds to them. Five-year zero-coupon bond. My own money is in the financial market. You say you will repay me, and you are going to repay me over five years, and you won't pay interest, and you are not able to stop inflation for me. Then I'm losing a whole value. And the next time you want me to bring my money back to these institutions, no. I'll think twice. Then something happens, whether it is what to please people, we got paid. Everybody sang hallelujah. And you took your money. That money, people realize that, look, this money, if I take it and I go back to another finance house, I will be <laughs> like, uh, sorry to say, a fool that I've gone back. So let me go to what? The government, who is the larger person who we say is less risky. Let me put my money there. So we cross that. And people send their money to the government. There were people who didn't even get anything. They got 50000 and they have been told to go to some AM fund at uh, Bank of Ghana, uh, government, uh, GBC. So people don't even have proper records of what they have there. It is, it is sad. It, is only, it was only some text messages that were sent to people to tell them that this is what you have here. That is not how we run even a mutual fund. And if you are running a mutual fund, the law of mutual funds states that you must periodically submit statement of accounts to your investors. Are they doing that? No. People even don't know how much they have there because no record. If you send the uh, what uh, text message, text message is not a permanent file. It can get deleted at any time. Even if you, 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 you make sure you are keeping it unintentionally, you can press somewhere and it is deleted. How can investors have confidence when even their money that is locked up, they don't even have proper records on that? 
if you have proper records of that, at least you could even go to some place and say, please, my money is at AM Capital. Give me something. You, you are a patient uh, lender. You can wait until something happens and I bring you. But this, this, you don't even have anything. Is that how we want to run our financial market? No. It is wrong. And people's money has been locked up. They are not getting it. Then again, there are people who are still working. They have not been, their licenses have not been revoked. They are working. And we know they are working. But they cannot pay their depositors either interest or principal when it's due. And we are sitting with, just watching them. And I keep on saying, as if Bank of Ghana doesn't care that you put your money there. I don't think the regulators will behave like that. That look, you should have done your uh, what, your your research and review and whatever. We went to a place where you have told them to conspicuously display their certificate, so that when you get there, you know that yes, I have come to a a safe place. If not the safest, at least it is safer than going to where they don't have the license. And you think the regulator, you don't have any responsibility towards these people. And for four years, people cannot assess their funds from companies that are still operating. They said they needed some support, liquidity support. You say your law doesn't allow them. And I say, are the investors, were the investors the people who crafted your law? If you are managing a financial institution and you are bringing out a law, you don't think you should do proper law that will allow you to manage these uh, uh, institutions we say, just give them support so that they can also give us our money. And we say, if Bank of Ghana think that these institutions, they no longer have any economic benefits. And let me tell you, the person selling on the, the tabletop, he doesn't go to a commercial house, a commercial bank for loan. It is these people who give them, who give them the loans. You don't have accounts. No, no bank, no solid bank will give you money where you don't have accounts. They will say, we, we deal with companies. And we, the full of, full of us who have sat on finance committees of banks, before a loan is given, we, we, we go through, what is that, this company? Does he have this account? Does he have this? Does he have that? You don't have. And then you tabletop person, you come and say, if you give you a loan. You must go. That is why we created these people. So that this one, like the informer, we can call it informal people can still go there and, and get. They, now, if you think they don't have any economic value, then we are saying, revoke their licenses and assume their liability and pay us. We are not the cause of their problems. If they have not run the place well, we are not their class teachers. The headmaster is the regulator. You should have sanctioned them. You should have put in measures that will not allow them to do what they have done. Deal with them when you have given us our money. Close them down. Pay us and find a way to redeem yourself by also suing the, the operators. If you have to sell their property, sell. If they have to go to jail, let them go. If they, they are found to have committed any crime with investors' funds. But it is not for us to be chasing these people that you advise us to invest with. And some of us have preached investment, investor education, investor education, educating people, invest, invest, invest. And now you invest.
Hello, my name is Abeku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still the job better with Ecobank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving <laughs> welcome to the smart world of ecobank download ecobank mobile from google play store or the app store and discover the smart way to bank ecobank the pan-african bank smile hmm? look lively okay smile smile too small a bad stomach ruins your day don't let it take gastron your most effective antacid for the relief of symptoms of peptic ulcer heartburn gas pain flatulence and indigestion hey guys what are you waiting for let's go let's go Mwah. can you bring down that smiles more <laughs> gastron effective relief from stomach discomfort manufactured and distributed by ns chemist limited this advertisement has been written approved by the fda Daddy, Daddy, this tank is big! Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working satisfaction. Yes. Mm-hmm, that's so true. I can see F-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. Well, it falls down into spoilers. That's not true. But why? Yay! Syntex <laughs> <laughs> was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? preparations for voters registration exercise from 12th September to 2nd October 2023 to enable citizens who have turned 18 years or persons who have not previously registered to visit the EC office in their district and register as a voter ahead of the upcoming district level elections 2023. 
the registration exercise is in line with the Commission's mandate to compile the register of voters and revise it at such periods as may be determined by law. Every eligible Ghanaian should visit the EC office in their district and present their Ghana card or passport for inclusion in the voters' register. Applicants who do not have a Ghana card or passport are required to bring two persons who are already registered voters to guarantee their registration. Do not register again if you have lost your voter ID card. Replacement of voter ID cards will start from 3rd October 2023 after the registration exercise. Transfer of votes will also be done from 3rd October to 9th October 2023. It is a criminal offense for a guarantor to guarantee for more than 10 people, non-Ghanaians and persons who are not 18 years of age. Guarantors who violate this provision will be prosecuted. The voter registration exercise is part of efforts to ensure credible, transparent and peaceful elections in Ghana. Register to vote. Your vote is your power. The voter registration exercise 2023 is here with us now. So I came home earlier than I normally would that fateful Monday after work. And to my surprise, I saw my husband and my mother having sex in our living room. I had always suspected my wife. I felt she had something doing with my little brother. And I walked into a room one day, and there they were, making out. And this is my blood brother. A husband who is a banker will not have sex with me because I denied him my earnest. Is he gay? I've been wondering. What is your story? What secret is eating you up? Why are you having continual sleepless nights? Do you need help? Share your story on our powerful new series where real people share their deepest secrets on Prime Morning beginning this September. Drop your stories on our WhatsApp number 055-157-5757. Remember, a problem shared is a problem half solved and every problem has a solution. Football season is here and it's best seen on HD Plus in five times crystal clear images. See the new signings, jerseys, silky skills, and great goals. Catch the DFB Copa, J1 League, and the Argentina Copa de la Liga Profesional on Sport HD Channel 151. The best of African football on JTV Sports Plus Channel 150. World football is best seen Philly Philly on HD Plus. Grab a coder and subscribe for three months at 85 Ghana CDC at HD Plus. See it free. We'll continue our conversation on the legacy of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, the man who is hailed globally. Um, but uh, as you may be aware, there are those who are also quite critical of some of his ideologies and, like they say, what he ended up becoming. And, and I'll say that because in my conversation with Seku and Samia, 
who are children of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, by the way, if you're not aware. Seku believes that, yes, his father started off with something, but ended up, as he went along, for him, seeing what was with what fit best at the time. And so the, 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 the concerns about the one-party state, their concerns about um, whether or not he was democratic or autocratic, uh, their, their concerns about whether he allowed other people to share their views. Samia thinks that, look, he wasn't autocratic because everything went through parliament. But Seiko says, yeah, parliament, that was majority of his party. It ends up being the same way, and he didn't allow others to participate. But for, for you, as the CPP, it's been a struggle for you since Kwame Nkrumah was overthrown. Um, you just referenced how you had, at a point, had to join the National Democratic Congress, and you believe that that was where your war started, losing the base and the support that you had. But there's also an interesting point about whether or not the, the CPP is truly independent. Do you still hold ties to the NDC? You mean as in policy or as in... As a party. As a party, do you still have ties with the NDC? As a party, we have ties with government. We have ties with um, NPP, NDC, and Gaganian. I mean, that question... It's one of the very things that people use to ensure that members do not join the party. So that's why, honestly speaking, huh? as a woman, and when you are a woman, there's something that you can connect with that the other people might not. And what do I mean? It is very easy to just live on our past glory and forget the fact that young people might not necessarily understand or even connect with us. And that is why we are just at the grassroots working to get our organizers at the base. And let me tell you, you see what Siku was saying. If you listen to Siku very well, then now I understand where he's coming from. Because he read the, the things that were critical of his father before he even actually read his father's own uh, version. Mm. So for that reason, he might have grown up thinking that the things, one of the very things that people have said, that he was thinking of a one-party state. Today, what is wrong? Do you know that after Nkoma, my father was part of a champion as well. Do you know after Nkoma, we had what we called, um, the same concept was proposed by, by, by champion. Do you know that? Unigov. Unigov is a union government. A government where the, every, we all become one to fight one, have an agenda for the, the nation and be able to follow that agenda and make sure. That doesn't mean that you become a head of state for life. What it simply means is that we, because of where we are standing and the fact that the colonial invaders had a plan, we need to come together. Mm. And clearly, the world has shown that all other countries that actually follow that path, that we today... Singapore, man, everywhere that we think that they have done magic, even China, is because they've stayed there for that long, because they had policies that they followed. It is not because we practice democracy that we don't understand. Osajifu, yes, everything that he believed in, people believed in it, and people were in parliament as a result of voting. They voted for him. 
So if you realize that most of his ideals at that time were being implemented and you think it's because you on the opposition did not have any maturity and you have so much minority and you are criticizing it on the negative side that the person had too much power. Where is power? It's the same thing that we CPP feel. We think that today should have been the, um, the day for the Founders Day. But look at what we are experiencing today. Mm. Today, which is the day that there is no doubt that Osajifu was the, is the founder of Ghana. Mm. There is no doubt that the, the party that led Osajifu for you and I to have his legacy discussed is CPP. I mean, these kind of jokes are the very reason why Ghana can't move forward and we have where we are. Because we have hedonized Osajifu. All we are doing is talking about Osajifu, 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 forgetting that Osajifu is as a result of a government. Osajifu is as a result of a people that did what was right with his vision. When our father, the current president, came in and put his presidency on the line and said that if he does not fight Galamsey, he would give up his presidency. Today, you and I know that Galamsey is even worse than he took it over. Simply, you know why? Because in as much as he had a vision, he didn't have the people in his government that would support him to do what was right. So Galamsey is worse. However, Osagifu had a vision, yet he had people like the Kroboducers, like the, the, the Botswoles, like the Bidemites, like all these people that were able to support him, like the Saponkumankumes that worked so hard as young people that believed in his vision and made Ghana work. And when the, the, the colonial invaders realized where Ghana was going, that we were able to have over seven, over all these factories that we did, they realized that in that path, the reason for which the colonial master came to Ghana and the invaders came to this country must be clearly understood. It is not that they were bringing money to make Ghana work. It is because Ghana had something that they needed. Mm. So when they came in here, after the coup, after the, uh, the independence, Osadifu clearly knew that after political independence, the only thing that makes sense is economic independence. That was what was promised the youth of Ghana. Yeah. So for that reason, mm. we accelerated the growth by focusing on the very things that would make it happen. That means the states must be rich. The states must have the resources. So most factories, we had Ghana, every factory that we had in this country was a state-owned industry. To ensure that the Ghanaian had jobs, had accommodation, had, had everything that was necessary. But what happened? In the process, the Ghanaian ended up today with the Ghana we have today when the colonial invaders realized that if they did not send us out, if they did not vilify or surgical at that time, put the fear in his followers and criminalize the party and ban the party and make sure that nobody mentioned the name CPP and let everybody go into hiding. If they didn't do that, the legacy would have continued and Ghana today would have been a different story. But because they did that, all the factories producing the food that, that you and I consume, the clothes, the, the, the uh, TV, radio, everything, matches, toothpick, everything, even the juice, the thing that really gets to me today is that cocoa is still one of our main exports of this country. And however, even the jute bag that we put the cocoa in is still imported. Now, 
My pretty, the truth of the matter is that we can't talk about Osadifu's legacy and not talk about CPP. The moment you talk about Osadifu's legacy and leave CPP, we would continue to have this country and we, what we would end up doing is having a father that we all love and yet very soon even his very name will be vilified even the textbooks are changing even the place that he's been laid if there had been some few fight was going to be changed even today the only reason why that place has been renovated is because of tourism so you agree with seiko that um that the parties uh, the government is sending confused signals about about who Nkrumah is when they take away Founders Day from his birthday or from him, but still want to honor him with the refurbishment of a memorial park. He didn't have a choice. They didn't have a choice. I can tell you an authority that even when they wanted, the, the, the plan they had for the memorial park changed because the World Bank insisted on what is happening. I can tell you because, and what Seku is saying is so true, you know why? What day did they launch the... Um, the park. Do you, do, do you remember? Uh, it was uh, sometime in July. Fourth July. Do you know Fourth July? Fourth mm -hmm. July is Americans Independence Day. The day they became a sovereign state for that matter. We had our independent, our sovereign state, a Republic Day on the fourth, the first of July, mm -hmm. which was a weekend. And it was it, within that weekend, they, they could have done it that weekend, but they did it three, four days after. Three days could, after. It, could it have been just mere coincidence? Because oh, we're dear. told that we're told that they were hard pressed for time to even meet the timeline, and the the, the government had insisted that wow. they try and meet the timeline. And you really believe coincidence in that matter? When a whole nation, when you are running a nation, you work with such coincidence. When your own republic, you are a sovereign state because somebody, somebody fought for you become a republic, a state that gave you that sovereignty. And on the day that you, you abolish the in uh, there is no public holiday in Ghana anymore. First July has been abolished. It's not a commemorative day. We don't celebrate first July. <laughs> you understand? And then on the first July, you leave first July. Now you come and honor a man who brought the first July that you are benefiting from that you call yourself a president. And you tell me that it's because two days interval that you were pressed for time. You know something? Here is the truth. Osajifu is an ideology. Osajifu has become more than a human being that is dead. That is why we say that he never dies. And that is why there's a statement that he says, even after his death, that the torch that he has lit will never die. And that he's asking us, us, all of us to continue. Today, you and I are discussing him. Mm. Because when you talk about the African personality, what he embodies, he brought us to, act, to remind us of our capabilities, of who we are as human beings, mm. that you and I as a Ghanaian have been brought into this world endowed with a certain attribute that makes us capable of governing ourselves. You were given birth by your mother. I have given birth to my children here in Ghana. And we are supposed to give them the best thing. It means access to education, quality education, access to food and access to accommodation and access to quality life and access to be able to live freely in this country move to us move anywhere and come back with confidence as you an african personality and that is what is embodied in society for the is the cpp waiting for that person who would probably do the magic for you bring back the 
I know you said you've been working at the grassroots level to try and mobilize the numbers, but we all admit that this man was a man of charisma. Look, you read his books, you read his speeches, and you know that this man had foresight. What we are going through today, he even spoke about. It was as if he... It's a prophet. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sound religious this morning, but it was as if he had, he had, he had a sense of what was going to happen. And to be honest, you don't get that in everybody. Is the CPP looking for that person? Are you on a search for someone with his charisma and ideals? This is what the CPP believes, and this is what I believe. Mm. That you, as you sit here, you have what society for has. Every Ghanaian youth, especially the youth of this country, has what society for has. The difference, though, is that we need to ignite that in us and continue to live and do what must be done. Osajifo today is being remembered. I'm sure there are several Osajifos out there in this country. But the truth is that he got the opportunity because the youth of the country at that time joined force to, with him to make it happen. They joined force with him to fight him. They joined force with him to fight with him when he was at, Buko, when he was at the offshore fort. It was the Bukom boys. It was the market women. It was the young boys and girls who we call veranda boys who actually went and, 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 and fought for him. And when they realized, the colonial invaders realized that they were there, there was so much power behind him, mm. they left him. Mm. You today, if you have opportunity, I'm sure there's so many things you can do. Let me tell the youth of Ghana, no magic is going to happen until you create the magic. Mm. There is magic, but the magic must be created by we, the people. So I'm asking every Ghanaian, as you hear in my voice today, star 920 star 277 hash. Listen to me again. Star 920 star 277 hash. Whatever you're doing, take time and take that number and dial it. That's all you need to do. You know why? Until you get up, until you write it, it will never be written. Until you get up, it's not going to be done. Osajifu is in you. Osajifu is in me. Let's have Osajifu by definition means selfless dedication. Osajifu, by definition, means putting the, the, the welfare of people at the center of every policy you make so that Segleme will not be sitting there, so that when you think of affordable housing, you will think of the squatters and the majority of the young people who have to pay almost all their salary a year's salary or two years' salary before they can get one, month, one year accommodation. That is what Osajifo is about. So there's not going to be any magic. If you, the youth of this country, do not get up and join the CPP with the spirit that is in you, the Osajifo spirit, and let's go get these people from that place. You can go and occupy that uh, Jubilee house. You need to go and be in that Jubilee house. To be able to make the difference. Because you must use the resources of the people to affect the lives of the people. Right. So, so hmm, interesting. So, so, so there are a few points to address here. Um, when we talk about Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, and you talk about all the people who have tried yourself, the party, 
Samia herself. She was representing you in Parliament. She lost her seat. I found out from her if she was hoping to go back to Parliament. She said yes. I asked on the ticket of the CPP. Now here's the answer she gave me. I know. What's the answer? <laughs> I know. I wouldn't want to repeat. She she <laughs> believes that your party is not independent. She believes that, in fact, that whole concept of smaller parties aligning to either the NPP or, or NDC is actually not a, not a, not a lie. She she is Samia. This is Samia. Okay, she belongs to your party, and, you and she would, won with her party. She won on the ticket of your party, and she's the last person you would expect to leave the party her father started but she doesn't believe it's still what it is 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 alan traumatin joining your party <laughs> for election 2024 before i answer that let me say something you are here in ghana i've been in the u.s and back if you ask me united states of america uk every place is much better looking than ghana so maybe we should close down ghana maybe we should or we should have individuals who can also determine that God did not create me and make a mistake. And for that reason, I am going to come back to my country and contribute and do something and make sure that my children and my grandchildren have a better chance. That is a decision you make. CPP, yes, over the years, and I gave you a reason. I told you that before Samia came, CPP in the Fourth Republic joined NDC, and NDC took her steps. Samia had a choice. He had just come to the country. She's, she has a good heart, like the father, but she did not understand the dynamics of the politics that we are seeing. I understand the dynamics of the politics. That is why I'm not saying all everything. I'm telling you that we are going to the grassroots to make sure we have the legs because we have the best stretch table, but there's nobody out there. The human beings there, the moment you do anything, they come out and the whole thing crumples. So unless you get the seats, the legs, nothing is going to happen. Samia won on our tickets. Mm. And Samia was one of the best people in parliament within the area. But did she reign again? No. Do you know why? Because when she stood, NDC people did everything against her and made sure that they brought people in and voted against Samia. You know, um, Salman Shamatin joining CPP. I have no clue. However, if you ask me, Alan Shamatin is a very fine gentleman. CPP is organizing. CPP, by December, I would want you to call me here in December after we have finished with our base organization. And at that point, the story might be a little different. Does Alan have plans of joining the CPP? Are you aware of that? None whatsoever. Has he spoken to you? Absolutely not. Are you aware if he's speaking to Ivor Green Street? Ivor has told me not. So I have no clue where that information is coming. But here is the truth, though. Alain, as I keep telling you, is a fine gentleman. CPP, does, the P, does the CPP want to have Alan Tremanting? Plus more. We want to have Alan Tremanting. We want to have Ken, Ken Japan if you also feel like he's not being treated properly. We want to have every, anybody and all the other NDC, even and Dr. Dufo, we were expecting that he would come to her because as long as CPP has the best policies for this country, there is no doubt about that. Next time, I would like to go through the policies with you. Mm. It is not by chance that we had over 400 factories within a very short time. It is not by chance that we had Akosombo and we also had the uh, atomic energy because of vision. Atomic energy was going to be nuclear power. 
so that today the industrialization would have been able to be established. It is not by chance that we had the agricultural process where we, 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 we just didn't focus on agriculture, but we also focused on the process of selling. Mm. You know that currently, when the, the minister wanted to make sure that to establish the fact that food was an abundance, he, op- he brought food to the ministry to sell at the Ministry of Agriculture. I don't want to mention his name because he, I don't know, is he still in the race or he's not? He's still in the race. Yes, so let me leave it like that because I don't want to be biased. But remember that, that's what happened. We already have a food distribution system in this country. There was already a food and processing distribution system. We had all the gigawatt factories that were processing food. CNPP has the policy called, um, what do you call it? Free trade, no, not just a free trade, uh, private sector being the, the engine of growth. It sounds brilliant on paper, okay? Mm. Because when you work everywhere, everybody's in some kind of trading. But private sector, if you, you need to do something, your parents are poor and they can't help you, and they are living on borrowed money, would you be able to get the money to even go to the university? Would you be able to set up the business you want to set up? So the country itself, must have some wealth like China and other places that we see so that our private sector can work. Mm. So when they did the 1D1F, I'm telling them today why it, it seemed to have failed and owned by the Chinese and other companies is because Ghana itself is on borrowed money. Ghana does not have money to give its own citizens to be able to support them to own the factories. So if you open your doors to free trade, liberal trading, and you think you are being liberal, and you are asking everybody to come in because you are in your liberal policy, we believe that the state itself must have some role. That means that our gold, mm. our oil, must be properly negotiated so that we have a higher percentage of it. We must own at least 60 more or percent more of our own gold. We must own 60% more of our oil. Otherwise, we leave it there. We must leave it there to rot because it only gets better anyway. So what we have today, my dear, is a country that has no direction. It's a country with visionless leadership. Finally, we've got just about a minute to go, but finally... What is the CPP doing to preserve the legacy of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah? And, and I'm saying this because you see you're, you're reaching to the grassroots, the young people, the youth. But how practically are you keeping his legacies? We've just spoken about his ideas which transcend his generation. How are you hoping to keep that alive? We're hoping two things. We're hoping, first of all, to keep it alive by taking over power. Okay. And that is why for me, because there's nothing else. We, don't, we are not a fraternity just to have Osajifu celebrated every year. Osajifu will not be happy in his grave until the day Ghana becomes the vision. The Ghana of today is the Ghana of the colonial invaders' vision, mm-hmm. where we focus and deal and buy everything foreign and do not produce anything local. We cannot make it. Our dollar will not work. We'll be going to IMF. It's a, it's a simple thing. Today, as I'm talking to you, we are going to Nkrofu. When we get in Crawford, we are going. We are hoping that at least a million people would be going to Crawford every every year for pilgrimage. That is the legacy, the things that CBP is looking at. So that if we are not celebrating him as a founder, we will see the effects of his legacy by going to Crawford. In Crawford's hotel should be full. Every hotel around that vicinity should always be full. You and your children should desire that one place that you must go before you become an adult is that you must go and see where Osajifu was born and where Osajifu died. He's 
the only person who was born and died, buried in the same place that he was born, the same place that he was giving birth to. That's the same place that he was buried. Mm. Until he was brought back to crime. I mean, yes, but that's where I'm sure. I don't know whether they brought the face and left the body. They don't even know what was brought here. But at least that's where it is today. Yeah. So the truth here is this. The legacy of a Saji form is for Ghana to work. It's for you to believe in yourself. It's for you to be able to have the African personality. It's for you to be a capable person. And when you talk about capability, it means affordable housing, not segment. Not the confusion. It means that being able to have quality education. It means that Oh my God, it means that not our young people running down a street in the scorching sun, going having to walk to Libya, now they can't go there, going to capsizing boats and dying. That is not the vision of, of, of Osagifo. And that and was so not the vision. You, of, the CPP gaining power is how to continue his legacy. There is nothing else for CPP today I, but I, for us to gain power. I appreciate your time. And I'll touch base with you again in December when you're ready to share with us how you've been able to mobilize you will see it all right thank you that's nana frimpoma she's chairperson of the conventions people's party the osada for dr kwabin krumer's party and if you know the history of ghana very well you know much about that party and how it was formed and all the things they had to suffer after Osajifo was overthrown. It's our way of, you know, having a conversation about who the man was and how his legacy can be kept alive as we commemorate his birthday today.